First of all, thanks for uh, having me out here. Um, food was great. I tried every single thing that everyone brought. Everything was delicious. Um, so thank you. Um, like Paul said, I, I go to multiple meetings all around the valley. I've been to New Hope Alano. I, I go to the West Valley Fellowship. I, uh, I chair the Sunday night meeting where they go at uh, Chamber of Commerce. That's where I met uh, Paul and Domingo and you know, Tom, they've told me to come out here a thousand times. I refused to until they said free food. And I said, all right, let's do this. You know, <laughs> let's see what we can do, you know. Um, so, again, Cody alcoholic and addict, um, alcohol and, and addiction are both part of my uh, my story. Um, obviously, I'll, I'm not real big on, you know, the drunkologues and drugologues and all that. We know what it is. It sucked. It was fun till it wasn't. You know, um, it was it was nice when you came into when I came into these rooms and figured out that you know I could put a face to it and call it, it was an allergy. It was something that I was allergic to and I had an issue with. Um, you know, I don't I don't break out in hives. I break out in tears and break out in broken vehicles, damaged property, break out in handcuffs, break out in all that kind of stuff. That's that's those are my hives. Um, so. My, my uh, childhood um, wasn't great. You know, I, uh, I grew up in East Mesa, Lindsay and McKellips. I'm born and raised here in Arizona. Um, you know, my mom, my mom was an addict all growing up. She was battling her own demons, you know. Um, my dad, uh, I, had, I had some trauma early in my life, and I think that's what kind of led me down the path of self-numbing and self-medicating and stuff like that. Um, you know, my, my dad committed suicide when I was uh, three months old. So it was just me and my mom growing up. And then, uh, you know, I f saw my first dead body when I was in second grade. And, uh, and then in that same time period, I was, I was also sexually abused by both a friend, a non-family member and a family member. So it was just a lot happening in that first 10, 12 years of, of that ch what was supposed to be my childhood. You know, um, but like I said, growing up, you know, my uh, my mom was battling her own demons. So I, I you know, kind of ran around East Mesa and did whatever I wanted as a kid and just kind of, you know, whenever, whenever the lights came on, on the street lights, that's when it was time to come home. That, you know, that's how a lot of us grew up, you know. Once it got too dark and you couldn't see anymore, I guess it's time to go home, you know. Uh, we, 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 ra I, we were... Uh, you know, as poor as poor gets, pretty much. I mean, uh, we had a we had a generator that powered our house. That's, I mean, diesel generator. My my mom's uh, friend at the time, who is now my stepdad, uh, they were building a Walmart out there, and uh, he pulled his pickup truck and hooked the giant generator from the job site to the ball hitch and drove right off the job site with it. Parked it in the back of our house, and that, and you know, crackhead rigged it up to the to the house, and uh, that's how we got power. Um, so, you know, lots of nights we're sitting there playing, and all of a sudden, now it's pitch black in the house. Time to go to bed, I guess. You know, um, what what's sad is some of my fondest memories um, is is of those nights when the power would go out, and it'd be me and my mom playing the Game Boy together. Because that was the only light we had, was the little Game Boy light that would stick on my Game Boy, you know. Um, me and her would be sitting there taking turns on Tetris, you know, and Wheel of the Fortune and stuff like that, you know. Um, 
but uh, so that's just the you know kind of kind of how the childhood kind of was. Uh, you know, all my family members are addicts and alcoholics and felons, and you know, um, I I never I never was w- went to prison or to jail or anything. I was not to say I shouldn't have. I mean, I I just was faster than the guy next to me. That's it. You know, um, I would I would tell him, look, I don't got to outrun the cop. I got to outrun you. That's it. You know. Um, I don't care why they're here. I'm already three houses down, you know. Um, but uh, my mom, my mom got busted for some stuff and ended up going to prison when I was 12. Um, she had just had my baby sister, um, so uh, we both moved in with my grandparents. But by that time, I mean, I started, I started smoking weed and running with wrong crowds around eight or nine. So by the time I was 12 and and went with my grandparents, you know, they're LDS Mormon and. My grandpa was a bishop and all this stuff. Like they couldn't handle anything I was bringing to the table, um, so they they sent me over to my aunt, uh, my aunt, my aunt Anessa and Uncle Tom, and um, it's my mom's older sister by two years. They have the same birthday; they're just two years separated. Um, so basically, from from twelve to about fifteen, you know, those years where you you're you're out of being a kid and become a young man is when I was with my aunt and uncle. Um, and and I I call her she's my second mom I mean I look at I her and my uncle are, are my other parents you know um, they put up with a lot with me and 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 really helped try to mold me into what um, I should I you know I should have been acting as as that anyways um, so she got my mom got out of prison her and my uh, stepdad they've known each other for years he's got four kids. Um, growing up, they were running mates. Like they would go and do stuff together, rob and steal, and all this stuff. And uh, so I always knew him, and I knew his kids. We were always friends. We'd always play while our parents were getting fucked up in the other room, you know. Um, well, they both got out of prison around the same time. Um, they didn't get busted together, and they decided to change their life. They both got sober in prison, and um, they got married. And so now these kids that used to be my best friends growing up are actually my brothers and sisters now. And you know, and there's three boys and then three girls, or the Brady Bunch, you know, and um, it's a fucked up Brady Bunch, but it's a Brady Bunch, you know, it's, uh, you know, uh, football to the nose was the least of our issues, you know, um, but uh, I'm the second oldest, I got an older brother, um, you know, high school, I was, I, I never really started drinking until about 18, 19, um, part of that is a, a slew of things started happening, and um, you know, my, my uncle ha- has ties to the Mexican mafia and stuff. So me and my brother were, were, were running stuff for him and doing stuff for him. And, um, for whatever reason, this one night I decided I wasn't going to go do the drug deal. I was going to take my, my, who was my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife of 14 years to the, uh, to a date. Well, house got raided that night. And uh, my brother did 10 years in Florence, and my uncle's still in Yuma. He got 14 years. And I was supposed to be there on the couch that night. I had been there 400 times prior to that. But for whatever reason, I told him I'm going to take my girlfriend out to dinner and a movie. And So uh, that, that was a big change. That was my older brother. He was my best friend, you know, like I said, since we were kids. And now we were brothers, you know. Um, that was, that was a big one for me. He's out now. He, he, uh, this past May was one year since he's been out. He got out last May. Um, he's doing good. You know, he's, you know, 10 years is a long time to be in prison and come out and he's doing good. But, um, 
you know, it's uh, that that when when he went to went to prison and my uncle, that's when it all kind of took a dive. So from like 18 to 28, I got sober when I was 28. Um, this November, I'll have four years. Um, so uh, that that 10 year span is where just it, it didn't matter if it was a bag, a bottle, whatever it was, if it was put in front of me. I was going to do it, and if it wasn't put in front of me, I was going to go get it and put it in front of me, you know. Um, you know, I, there's other stuff. I, I graduated from high school, thought I was going to go to the military, failed the drug test, got blackballed out of the military, can't join the military. Um, you know, I was, I mean, just typical addict alcoholic stuff where I, you know, I had a full-ride scholarship to ASU for wrestling, four years, fully paid, good to go. They offered it to me my junior year. Um, all I had to do was graduate. Graduated, but of course I thought I ran the world, so I could do whatever the hell I want to do. And uh, so I didn't go. I didn't go to college, you know, at all. Um, but uh, like I said, that ten years is is the typical stuff, you know. Home invasions. I, I've done everything, you know. So the the end there for me, you know. Um, and I had, so right before I got sober, I actually got diagnosed with cancer. Um, I had stage three uh, lymphoma. Um, it was, it was everywhere. Basically from the hips up, my scans, I have it on my phone. It looked like someone shot me in the chest with a shotgun. I mean, it was the neck, in the throat, chest, lungs, um, next to my kidneys and on my bladder. I mean, so just, it was everywhere. Um, and so at that point, I wasn't sober yet, and I, I thought, you know, I'm 28 years old. My son had just been born. He was two weeks old when we, we got this diagnosis. So I thought, well, I'm going to die. So I'm just going to take it from a 10 to about a 27, you know. Um, started doing chemo, drank and drugged the entire time. Bottle a day, 8 to 12 pills a day, every day. Um, I did chemo every two weeks, five different drugs for eight hours straight. I had to pour the whole nine. Um, you know, they'd, they'd cut it into four-hour increments and give me an hour in between to go try to eat something to get food in me. And, of course, I didn't eat. I told them I was going to go to the cafeteria, but I'd go downstairs in my truck, grab my Knob Creek, take a couple more swigs, and then go back up and hook me up, you know. Um, because I thought I was going to die. I thought I was done. You know, that was my body telling me, you've used me and abused me enough. We're done. Somehow I beat it. Um, still don't know how, you know. I mean, I did everything they told me to do. Diet, all the, all the different regimens, everything. Um, I just never told them that I was, you know, drinking and using pills and all this stuff on top of it. Um, so I, I beat that somehow. And then, um, like I said, it was, it was getting worse and worse and worse as far as uh, alcohol and drugs. And, and, you know, some people don't in the family and stuff don't really understand and know how bad it was getting. I mean, um, towards the end there, I, you know, I, I was never a beer guy. Um, beer just took too long. You know, I needed it now. You know, um, and I, I wasn't a mixed drink guy. I mean, the only mixed drink I would do is a Long Island. And all that is is seven different alcohols mixed together, you know. Um, I was a swigger. I'd get sores all over my lips from chugging from the, the bottle. 
You know, I remember, I think of it now, you know, I used to hide the bottle in my, in the toolbox in my truck in summertime. It'd be 115 degrees out. I'd pop that thing off and it'd shoot in my truck because of the heat. And I'd sit there and hold it in front of the AC in my truck and then swig that burning hot whiskey, you know, just stupid, you know. Um, but, uh, yeah, towards the end there, I only drank three things because there was only three things that worked anymore, you know, is... Wild Turkey, Knob Creek 100 Proof, or Knob Creek 120. That's it. A bottle a day, every day. Um, I had bottles hidden throughout the house, you know. Um, so towards the end, it was uh, Thanksgiving, coming up on Thanksgiving. and the, um, Wednesday, It was a Wednesday. It was the last day of work. We had, uh, you know, obviously, thing, or no, it was a Tuesday. We had Wednesday off and then Thanksgiving. So I got off work. And it was probably like 2.30-ish. Well, my sister-in-law that lives out here in Buckeye, I keep pointing that way, but it's actually that way. We're, um, she, she did a, a stay-at-home daycare. You know, she had her license and all that. So she watched our kids for free for us, you know, because um, she did a daycare. So I called her, and it was about 2.30. I told her, hey, I'm off work. I'm heading your way. I'll come grab the kids. Um, I was working right here on Estrella Mountain, so I was like 20 minutes away from her. Well, I told her I was out Eastmark in, in, in Gilbert Chandler area. So I told her it would be two hours with traffic and, you know. So I pulled over at the Safeway and, and uh, you know, started swigging my bottle and, and popped some, some Tic Tacs, you know, and um, started, I remember what, I don't know what, I, I was watching something on my phone. Um, passed out, fell asleep in the truck running. All of a sudden I woke up, it was 7 o'clock at night. Um, my wife already gotten off work at five, went and picked up the kids, then went home. And keep in mind, we lived with my in-laws at this time because I just finished going through my cancer treatments. So, uh, like I said, se- seven o'clock, I look at my phone and 27 missed calls and 50 text messages and the whole nine. And, um, and I did what any normal alcoholic would do. I grabbed the bottle, swigged some more, because now I'm freaking out. I know I'm in trouble, you know. So I, I went to my in-law's house, because that's where we lived, and, and of course, my, my mother-in-law and father-in-law, they're, they're alcoholics. They're, they've been sober for years and years and years, you know. They, they understood it. They watched it. They saw me spiral. There's nothing they could do about it. They know it. And um, so I, I pull up, and all three of them are sitting outside, and, and you know, Wife's crying, kids are in the house, and uh, wife said, look, like, I, I'll never, di- I'm not going to divorce you, but I, we can't keep doing this like this. I'm done, like, you know, um, and like any good alcoholic, I said, all right, fuck you then, you know, I'm gone, you know. Um, my parents go camping for Thanksgiving. Uh, they, they, leave, they leave on Wednesday and come home Sunday, so they're gone the entire time. So I said, screw it, I'm calling my mom. And she came out and picked me up, and I went, I just turned my phone off and left everybody there, and I went camping for the whole weekend. Um, I took two bottles of Knob Creek and 50 Vicodin with me, and it was all gone by Saturday morning. Um, So needless to say, Sunday driving home was brutal. Um, Man, I couldn't chug beers fast enough for it to do anything, you know. Um, so we, we get back Sunday and of course I had to call my wife to come pick me up, you know, um, 
and uh, this this was this was that turning point in my life. So, um, you know, and it's funny I look back on it now. You know, because my mom my mom's been sober for like eighteen years. She got sober in prison, and you know she she's my best friend. And um, I remember getting home on Sunday at her house out in Queen Creek, and I remember telling her like, hey. I forgot before we left, I have a check in my wallet. I got to cash this and put this in the bank so that we have the money for Monday and this and that. Well, that's my alcoholic brain not thinking. One, it's a holiday weekend. The banks aren't open. It's Thanksgiving weekend and it's a Sunday. The banks definitely aren't open. But my mom knows. So she said, okay, go to the bank. Gave me the keys to her car. I went to the store, got a bottle, swigged damn near the whole bottle, then came home and Felt okay, you know. Wife came and picked me up. We're driving home. Are you hungry? I'm like, yeah. Jack in the box. I'm like, okay, sounds good. Jack in the box. We pull in. Immediately, my aunt's car, the one I lived with while my mom was in prison, my other mom, her car is parked in the parking lot. She lives 20 miles away. There's no fucking reason for her to be at that Jack in the box. I know exactly where she lives. There's three jack-in-the-box in between her house and this jack-in-the-box. So, of course, we all know where that ended up. Me sitting on the curb, wife here, aunt here, doing the whole nine, you know, to the point where I, I just started yelling and told them, like, look, enough, you know, I'm, I'm not too proud. I'll fucking go to that bus stop right there and bus all the way back to Buckeye by myself if I have to. You need to stop. Um... So my aunt said, okay, we're done, you know. Keep in mind, my aunt is the oldest out of six of her siblings, all my aunts and uncles, and every, and every one of them has gone to prison and drugs and alcohol and all that stuff. So she's, she's the only one out of the six kids that she never did any of that stuff. The cheerleader in high school, married her high school sweetheart, goes to church every Sunday, you know, the whole nine. So she's, like I said, she's my other mom, you know. Um, so we're driving home, finally, you know. Dead silent in the in the car. Um, so this was uh, sorry. This was the the flip of the switch, like we talked about. So my wife, me and my wife are driving, and she's like, "Look, I don't want to fight anymore, but I need you to watch this video." I'm like, "Okay," thinking it's church video kiss God because alcohol's the devil, you know. So I'm like, all right, whatever, give it to me. Well, it was a video that my nine-year-old daughter had made on her phone. Um, and, and you know, I, I looking back on it, it makes sense, but at the time, you know, the kids don't know what's going on. All they know is dad got upset, yelled at mom again, and just decided he didn't want to be with us on Thanksgiving and left. They don't know that dad's struggling with demons of, of, you know, this magnitude. And so there it is on the video, and, and it's my daughter crying, you know, hey, what can I do better? I'll, I'll, watch, I'll watch Noah, my son. I'll do my chores. I'll, you know, I'm sorry. I'll do better, this and that. There's, I'm trying not to cry. There, there was my nine-year-old daughter being more of an adult and taking more responsibility than I was, okay? And I, I was that kid. I, I grew up in, with my mom doing all that stuff and, and guys shooting up and doing stuff in the house. And, and you know what I mean? Like, ramen noodles was a good dinner. 
you know, when I grew up, you know, little Caesars, fuck yeah, you know, um, and so there, there I was repeating that cycle, doing exactly what I swore and all those resentments and anger I felt towards my mom for letting me go through the things I did. There I was just doing it again. But now it's my daughter who has, is paying the price, you know. Um, and I, I broke down, you know, I said, that's it. Switch has been flipped. Got home on Sunday and I, I grabbed my work phone and I called my boss and I said, hey, I'm not coming into work tomorrow. And he's like, oh, tough weekend, huh? Because it's a long weekend. I'm like, you have no fucking idea. You have no idea. You know, and so I told him right then and there, I'm like, look, we've already called. I'm checking myself into rehab tomorrow at 10 a.m. If I don't do this now, I promise you, you won't see me again. Um, so I did. You know, he, and he, to his credit, you know, he said, he's like, give your wife your work phone. We'll send everything to the email. She can fill out all the stuff for your work. Your job will be here when you get back. Do what you have to do, and we'll wait here for you when you get back, you know. Um, so I, I checked into Calvary downtown, um, did 27 days at Calvary, you know, um, five in detox, 22 on the residential side. Um, and I, I... I hit this thing like I was meant to be here. I earned that fucking chair there hard, you know. Um, you know, just like anything, I was taught, how, how far would you have gone to go get a pill or a bottle? Why won't, if you give half of that to this program, your life's going to explode, you know. Um, and I'm like, man, I, I've walked miles for two pills before. One way, and then turned around and came back. By the time I got home, they wore off. You know, and uh, it's, you know, so I got, I got sober over there and, and, you know, did my first three steps in there. And, and like I said, I, I, I did every meeting, every single thing they told me to do, no questions asked, read, you know, I, I read the entire big book from cover to cover in three days, um, all the stories, all, every single page in that book. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it. All I can say is it, it that match was lit and it wasn't going out, you know. Um, when I was in rehab, my wife actually moved out of my in-laws' house and, and we, we got our house. We started renting a house, so it was kind of nice because when I got out of rehab, it was a fresh start. It was a new house. We're not at the in-laws anymore. We're back home with the family, you know. It was, it was good. Um, now, my, my cousin, who I grew up with, my aunt, her son... Brett, he's a, he's a Tempe police officer now. He's my little cousin. Now he's bigger than I am, you know. Um, so he helped my wife move because keep in mind, I'm in, I'm in rehab. So she's got three kids trying to move the house. And uh, my cousin told me he found like nine alcohol bottles hidden throughout of all of our stuff when they were moving our stuff. You know what I mean? Um, Still to this day, there's a baggie of 30 500 milligram Vicodin hidden somewhere in my in-laws' house that they live. Because I was too fucked up, hid them somewhere. I have no idea where they're at, but they're in their house somewhere. Somewhere they're there. I know for a fact. I know it because I hid them before. 
the, the week, just the week before all that crap went down at the Thanksgiving thing because I broke the baggie in half and took half of them camping. Um, so there, there's about 30 or 40 somewhere hidden in their house. So next homeowner, they might find a little blessing. I don't know. Um, but I, I, I came home, I hit, this, I hit this thing hard and, you know, to the point to where I, looking back on it and the people that I've met in this room have told me like, look, when you first got in here, we thought there's no way this kid's going to get it. He's, he's, try, he's, trying to, he's trying to eat the elephant in one bite. But I kept gnawing at that fucking elephant until I ate that bitch, you know. I would not let go of this thing, you know. I was told as soon as you get out, you go to a meeting. So I got out. I went and gave all the kids hugs, kisses, that stuff. That night I went to a meeting. Um, it was a PA meeting, Pills Anonymous. I didn't, I didn't even know there was a difference between any of the meetings. I've never been to a meeting before, you know. So I went to West Valley. Like I said, it was, it was, uh, there was four people there. Domingo was there, you know. Um, that's where that's where I met old Jefe. I call him Jefe. He's not Domingo. He's the boss. He's Jefe. Um, and uh, that night, I asked one of the gentlemen there, uh, Joe, to to be my temporary sponsor. I had started my three steps in in recovery, and I knew from what I was told, you have to keep doing them because you skip the fourth, you go get a fifth, and you're gone. That's where I was at. I, I did the first three. I needed to do my fourth. If you skip the fourth, you're going to go get a fifth and you're gone. So I asked him to be my temporary sponsor. Just get me through my steps. That's all I asked him. Just, just get me through these things. And he did. You know, we, we, we worked real hard at him. I was brutally honest. Word vomit. You know, I mean, just I wanted everything off my plate. I was done. I, I was sick of harboring all this crap, you know. Um, did him. Got a new sponsor now. My sponsor knows he's my sponsor. I communicate with him. My sponsor has a sponsor. Um, you know, I, I, I do a Zoom meeting every single day. I, I'm almost four years. I still do a Zoom meeting every day, 9 a.m. I'm at work. Pop them in the headphones. I listen to it. You know, um, I go to at least two meetings in person every week. I usually hit the Friday night meeting at West Valley and then every Sunday over here at uh, Chamber of Commerce. So how I found that meeting was when we got out of rehab, I, I was at Buckeye. We moved out there and our, the house we rented is a quarter mile from the cha Chamber of Commerce. And so I just found my way in there and realized, hey, Domingo's here. And I knew a couple guys and I've been, it's been what, two years, three years? I, I mean, I... When we first moved to our new house, I, I went on a hiatus, I'll say that. I didn't come for about four or five months. Um, uh, but, now, you know, it, it was one of those I, w I was feeling, you know, that's my family. You know, I, I've shared more things in these rooms, more intimate and destructive things in this room than I have with most of my family. You know, um, I trust people in these rooms more than I trust most of my family, you know. Um, and I've, I've, I've made mistakes in sobriety. I've, I mean, like heavy, serious mistakes in sobriety, you know. Um, and and I've, I've overcame some serious things in sobriety and stayed sober through them to the point to where when guy, when it, it pisses me off. It's a resentment and it's a, it's a character defect I have when people are, oh, well, I crashed my car. So I said, fuck it, went and got drugs. Let me paint you a, a word picture. 
I got sober the weekend I was getting my 90-day chip. Three months, 90 days. That's a big-ass chip to get. I was excited. Got fired from my job on Saturday. Lost my insurance. Sunday, found out my cancer came back. Went to that Sunday night meeting, got my chip. Stayed sober. Now I had, I hit a, a road. This is the fir- This was the only time in my sobriety where I can say, I I knew what I was doing. I was leading myself down that path of going and being gone. Right. So obviously Monday, I didn't have a job to go to. I'm sitting at home. Kids are at school and daycare. My wife's at work. I'm all by myself at the house. I collect sports memorabilia. I have jerseys, I have cards, I have all kinds of stuff. Well, there was this guy on the internet that kept bugging me wanting to buy one of my things. So, and again, my broken alcoholic addict brain. I knew what I was doing, but I didn't see it, you know. Oh, I'm going to reach out to him. You still want to buy that jersey? Yeah, all right, let's go meet Tippy, Tippy, you know, at the mall. I'll trade you 300 bucks. So then I don't have to use my card. My wife can't see the statement. I got cash in hand, whole day free. Well, I had a doctor's appointment because we found out my cancer came back on Sunday, right? And the doctors said, well, we need you here at at 3.30 on Monday afternoon so we can start blood work and do all this stuff. So mid-morning, you know, went down and met him. And, um, you know, I grew up in, in Mesa and I was hop, skip, and a jump away from Mesa right there. And I remember sitting in the parking lot of the mall. And um, I got $300 cash in my hand. Nobody knows where I'm at. I got nobody to bother me. And I'm sitting here looking at it. It's an AMC theater right in front of me. Okay? And I remember it was one of those show me moments. Um, I just got the goosebumps. And uh, it was 1107 I'm sitting in my car. I said, if there's a movie starting right now, I'll watch that movie, and then I'll go to my doctor's appointment. If not, I'm gone. Because all that stuff, cancer came back. I was... So I walked into the movie theater. It was 11.11. Aquaman started at 11.15. I'm a huge Marvel, DC, superhero, comics, Batman's the man, all that stuff. And, and it... Aquaman had just came out that weekend on Friday. So it it was Monday, three days after it just came out, and I was dying to see this movie. And like I said, 11.07, walked up to the theater. It was 11.11. Movie started in four minutes. One for Aquaman, please. Walked into Aquaman, watched the movie with two other people in there. Went to my doctor's appointment, went home, never looked back. Um... And some of you guys remember me in those meetings in, in the beginning. I know Domingo's seen me. I had no hair, no eyebrows, no facial hair. I had to start chemo all over again. I had a blood transfusion, uh, stem cell transplant. I mean, everything. So, like I said, that's why I get character defect, resentment. I have to make amends all the time about it. You stubbed your toe and you, so you went and got drunk? Fuck you. You know? I don't know how else to say it, you know. If you don't like it, go talk to your sponsor. Because that's how I feel right now. Because, you know, 
Like I said, I'm sitting there with no eyebrows, no facial hair, freaking out. Got a pigtail sticking out of my neck and my carotid because that's how they got to pump my shit in. And I'm at a meeting. You telling me you can't be here? Um, but again, it's not my place. It's not, I, I don't take others' inventory. That's what I'm talking, you know. Um, so I, I, I'm very much on the, um, you know, my higher power is, is it, it, it was from the very beginning. I mean, I, I go to church every Sunday. You know, it's, it's my wife goes to church, and we all go to church every Sunday. We, we say prayers as a family every night. Um, you know, I'm not a huge God guy. Just not. You know, um, I'm, my higher power has always been karma. Okay? I've always believed what I put out, I get back. I don't need tenfold. If I put one out and get one in return, I'll take it. If I put ten out and get one in return, it's more than what I had, I'll take it. You know, um, I keep this program extremely simple because I, I'm an alcoholic and addict. I make everything difficult. You know, it just, it's in my nature. It's what I do, you know. It's that eye of the storm. Everything's calm, but everything around me is just being destroyed, you know. Um, so I, I just, I, I keep it extremely simple, you know. The more hurdles you put in front of you is more opportunities to fall on your face. I fall enough by myself. I don't need to make any more happen. Um, you know, I've done the steps multiple times. Um, you know, I, 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 live, I live and I, I run my program. I have three rules. And that's because those three rules are the only thing that I can control every single day. One. Do not drink or drug. Two, do right today. Three, be better today than I was yesterday. That's it. That's my program. And it's worked for me. Okay? That's my program. Those are my, those are my tools that I use every day. Um, like I said, I've, I've made mistakes. You know, I, I still struggle. I still have character defects that I, I fight on a regular basis every day. Sometimes I got to use one or two steps in a day. Sometimes I got to use all 12 steps in a day, you know. But I've been given the tools of how to attack these issues and, and things that be presented in front of me. You know, they talk about a tool belt. I don't, I don't like the tool belt because everybody can see a tool belt. I tell people it's my Swiss Army knife. It's got all 12 tools on it, and it stays in my pocket where I know it's at. And I can use it at any time I need to. And it's mine. In my pocket. It's my Swiss Army knife. And it has my 12, my 12 tools on it. Um, sometimes you need the screwdriver. Sometimes you need the knife. Sometimes you need to open all of them and use them all at one day. It just is what it is. Um, but this, this program has given me things in, in my life that, I mean... Next week is going to be my 14th year anniversary married to my wife. And, you know, that woman just, it's no words, you know, it's no words. Um, you know, we, we, we started out, we started dating junior year in high school. So she's been with me this entire time, you know. We got three kids and, you know. And, and she started out, you know, drinking and smoking and doing all that stuff with me. And, and I tell people, and I said, yeah, but one day she grew up, and I just didn't. 
I just plateaued. And all of a sudden I woke up and I was 28 years old, you know. Um, it, it Sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly, right? Sometimes Cody. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I always think of when they talk about it, if, if you were to write down on a piece of paper all the things you want out of sobriety, how short I would have sold myself looking back on it for almost four years now. Um, yeah, I would have wished for all kinds of things. Um, I got tenfold of what I thought I needed out of sobriety. You know, um, I not only have a job, I have a career. I have a career that I'm good at and that they know I'm good at it and they trust me. I'm trusted with multi-millions of dollars of things. I have a key that can open multi-million dollar homes. I'm, I'm the ex-addict that would rob and steal anybody, anything. If you left a piece of bubble gum around, I'm taking it. And I'll even fold it back up and put it back there so you think it's still sitting there. I'm the addict that steals your wallet and helps you look for it. You know, that's me. Did you check under the couch? I got you. That, that was me, you know. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I own my own home. I built it. Brand new. I built it. I'm a superintendent for a home builder. I built my own house. Like, shit's crazy. I got two vehicles. Neither one of them has a check engine light on. <laughs> Boom! You know what I mean? I, I, you know, my kids uh, want for nothing, to a fault. My wife yells at me. I buy them too much shit all the time. But it's, it's, you know, I grew up with nothing. You know, I, I, I would rather me have to eat ramen noodles for lunch as a grown man, and my daughter has a pair of earpods. That's just the kind of dad I am. I'd rather do that, you know. Um, I, I, I go out of my way to work with anybody and everybody that, that needs help. I'm the first one to raise my hand to, to help anybody. If, if someone needs a ride somewhere, need, hey, we need volunteers. I'm, I mean, I'm the unofficial permanent chair at Chamber of Commerce. It's been like three years. God forbid someone, no. You know, it's a, well, if you don't mind, okay, yes, jefe, I got you, you know. But uh, this program is a game changer. Absolute game changer if you let it. If you if you don't let it, it can destroy you because you'll put too much hurdle, too many hurdles up, and you'll get sick of falling down, and you'll quit. Because um, that's what alcoholics and addicts do. We quit. That's what we do. It got tough. I quit. I didn't lose. I quit. You know. Um, but this this program's given me so many things. You know. Next week, I go for a, ch a chest CT. I've been in remission for almost three years now. Um, and it's funny, I, you know, doing it sober, so much different, doing chemo and all that stuff. You know, I remember I told my doctor, because I had the same doctor, and now I'm going with treatment and I'm sober. And uh, she's like, you, you're really bouncing back. And this is, you know, you're, it's really taken to you. Like, no, I just, I'm not putting poison on top of poison this time. I'm just taking the poison you're giving me, you know. And uh, I, I, I told her, like, how bad it was, you know. And uh, she was beside herself. 
you know, she's like, Cody, I, I've, she's one of the top oncologists for lymphoma in the country. You know, she's awards, all that. I go to Mayo Clinic out in Scottsdale. And um, she was just beyond herself on, you know, on how, how that was even possible. How, how, you could, how you could do all those things. Cause, and, it, and I had, in the beginning of my sobriety, I had the guilt factor. You know, what's that called? Survivor's guilt? That's what I had. Because I would go to Mayo and meet these people that are going through chemo treatment. And then I would go in two weeks and those, some of those people weren't there anymore. Because they lost the battle of chemo and cancer. And there's me, beat cancer, drinking a bottle a day and doing all this stuff and I beat it. Who am I? You know? So I had survivor's guilt in the beginning. Like, um, but th- this, this program is, it, I mean, it's something different. Something complete different. Um, I'm so glad that I, I found the right people at the right time of my life in, the, in these rooms and all that stuff because, I mean, I think about the people that were placed in specific locations when I first got into this thing, and, and you know, like I said, I hit the ground running. I, I, 90 meetings in 90 days. I did 111 meetings in 90 days. I just hit the ground running because I knew, so they say if you go out again, it's going to be worse than it was before. Well, how much more worse does it get than a bottle a day, 10 pills a day, literally, I mean... It just, I don't, I don't, oh, the only worse than that is dying, in my opinion, in my situation. I mean, going to prison would have been better, you know. Um, so, I, I'm, I'm thankful for everybody, everyone here, everyone that's not here. If you're a part of the program anywhere, I, I went to Atlanta for work and, and got to do some meetings out there. It was different, same thing, same steps. Same feelings, same stuff. It's crazy how you can go into a meeting on the other side of the world or country. And I literally felt right at home. You know, it was people I've never met before, never going to see again. I'm speaking like I am right now, you know. Um, but it's, uh, it, it's a beautiful thing if you let it. I know all you guys have some significant time underneath you. Jer- Jeremy asked me to be a sponsor last week and... So that's why I brought him out here with me, and um, it's uh, it's been a fun ride. I'm not done yet, you know. Like I said, November I'll have four years. Um, I'm hoping to catch Domingo. Hopefully he dies, and then I can catch up to him. I'm gonna get that necklace one way or another. You know, I got a pocket full of fuckets too, man. You know. But, no, I, that's all I got. I appreciate you guys. Um, thank you for having me again. Food was awesome. Food was great. Um, just as advertised, you know, everything else is, is good, and I appreciate it. That's all I got. Thank you, guys.